Hey, Disney Cruise fans, it's Wes. If you'd like to support the show, please consider booking your next Disney trip with us. We are independent travel agents affiliated with Mickey World Travel, a platinum Disney earmarked agency. Though we specialize in Disney cruises, we book all Disney destinations. We'll help you with all the planning details and make sure you don't miss out on anything important. Of course, if it is a Disney cruise, we'll give you some onboard credit up to $1,000 to spend on your trip. That's free money to spend on whatever you want just for booking with us. Spa treatments, port adventures, merchandise, adult dining experiences. It doesn't cost you anything to work with us, and you'll pay the same as if you book directly through Disney. So you might as well get some extra spending money to take with you. If you're interested, send me an email at Wes, W-E-S, at MickeyWorldTravel.com. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 120 of the DCL Dude Podcast. My name is Wes, and I hope you're all okay with one more episode about the Disney Wish. Well, at least at least one more that I've planned. I, I can't promise that uh, that I won't have others in the future, but it's, it's my last uh, planned one for the time being. But I have been looking forward to this particular show since, uh, since we got home, and um, but, uh, you know, I first wanted to, to get you a couple episodes to highlighting our, our cruise experiences because we really enjoyed the new ship. Uh, and uh, in this episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my, my full review, which means the good and the bad. I feel like uh, I owe that to you and uh, I hope you're excited for it. Normally, I would catch you up on the uh, the recent uh, stories, the Disney Cruise stories that uh, that have come over the past couple of weeks, but I, I don't have anything to, to update you on. Um, I actually, I thought we would probably get some updates on uh, some new health and safety protocols after the uh, the CDC's announcements a couple of weeks ago, but we haven't seen anything, uh, anything yet. Uh, I'm still expecting that they'll do something. I have no idea what they'll do. I don't know, you know, to what extent they will make changes, but, uh, maybe, maybe we'll see something this week. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. I, I, I'm, I, I'm keeping my eye closely, uh, on what happens there. So, uh, as soon as something happens, I'll let you all know as well. Um, so, you know, since, since I don't have anything to update you on, we're just going to get right into it. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to bring you my, my full review of the Disney wish. I, briefly mentioned this, uh, that I was going to do this in one of my previous episodes. Uh, and a few of you have, have asked me about it since. So the time has finally come. Um, <laughs> I want to start off with three disclaimers. Um, the first one, as you know, I did not pay for this cruise. Um, but I, I, st- I still feel I'm able to give you an honest review of my experiences as if I had. I will be bringing my whole family on board as soon as we are able, so I can confidently say that the experiences that I had um, would be worth the cost to me. Hopefully, you all will back me up on that. Um, Secondly, the cruise was only three nights, so it it really was impossible for me to experience everything. Um, And it was also my first time on board a brand new ship, so I, I spent a lot of time doing things that I, I might not otherwise do on a, on a normal cruise. Um, 
there wasn't a whole lot of relaxation on the ship with, which is something that I, I definitely try to prioritize on my cruise vacations. And then the last thing is, you know, this was a, a preview cruise. So things may not have been exactly the same as they would have been for a paying customer. However, based on what I know about the cruises that have taken place since and including the maiden voyage, I, I don't, I don't believe there was much that others got to experience um, that we did not. So with all that being said, let's get to my review. I thought I thought long and hard about the best way to approach this, and I hope I hope you like the format that I that I came up with. Um, I have a few general kind of broad-based thoughts that that I'll share first, and then I thought it might be fun to do a report card type review of all the differences um, between the spaces and, and give them a, a grade A to F based on my own experiences. So hope that makes sense. Um, hope that sounds good. So that's, that's the approach we're going to take. Uh, let's get into it. To make... <laughs> To, just to start out to make sure that I don't bury the lead here I'm I'm gonna start by repeating what I've said in my previous episodes that my wife and I both very much enjoyed our time spent on the wish albeit a very short amount of time uh, and we are both looking forward to going back and cruising on the wish again hopefully soon something that I I really think is the most telling of my feelings about the wish is is how I find myself, liking it more and more as time goes by and I look back on our experiences when you're in it you know when you're on board you're having fun the magic is happening all around you I feel, I feel like maybe your judgment can be clouded a little bit because you're on this like this vacation high so things may seem better than they are or um you know you may you might just have a clouded vision of how things are going um but have you ever gotten home from a, a vacation and after a couple weeks or so you look back on it and really start to think about the things that didn't go well or the things that you didn't enjoy? Well, that hasn't happened to me with The Wish. In fact, it's it's been quite the opposite. I've been looking back on it and I, I find myself missing it more and more. I feel... Um, I feel like that's really the strongest review that I can give. So I thought I'd share that with you because regardless of my feelings about some of the spaces, which I'll share here in a little bit, um, overall, it was an amazing experience and something that we would definitely and will definitely uh, do again. If, uh, if you're an experienced Disney cruiser, the wish is going to feel and look completely different to you the the first four ships they're all laid out very similarly everything on board is located kind of generally in the same place they have similar themes and they offer more or less the same experiences <laughs> i've heard and read a lot of people say that the the wish doesn't feel like a disney ship that it you know that it lacks that nostalgic factor and I get that. Um, if you've if you've cruised a lot on the other ships, um, going on the Wish is not going to be what you're used to. And I know a lot of people won't feel this way, but for me, the fact that it's so different is is something that I really liked about the Wish. In fact, I think I've said all along, leading up to the de the, the debut of the Wish, that that I I wanted something different, and uh, and that's certainly what we got. So I have no complaints there. Aside from the obvious differences, you know, the restaurants, the lounges and bars, the theaters, the pools, you know, all that stuff, um, all that we'll get into, the, the two that 
the two differences that sort of smack you in the face, if you will, are the layout and the theming. And so I'm, I want to talk about the layout first. <laughs> Be prepared to get lost and kind of stumble into things during your, your first day on board. Uh, things just aren't located where you're used to them being located. And that kind of speaks to what I said, uh, you know, a, a, a second ago about it being different. Having only two elevator banks, I think, is is a big part of the initial confusion. And speaking of which, I actually really like the two elevator bank model. I'm not sure how popular that opinion is going to end up being, but I, I actually think it works well. I never felt like I was far from an elevator, and I, I like how it opened up the public spaces a little bit more. <laughs> yes, I had to ask a few times where the elevators are, but you know, once you get the hang of it, I, I, I actually thought it made a lot of sense. And, and granted, I have heard that if your cabin is located all the way forward or all the way aft that maybe the elevator banks seem a little far away. So maybe there's something there, but on the whole, I, I really like the, the two elevator layout. So while I thought that was good, I was, I was not a huge fan of the overall flow and you've, you've probably heard this before. Um, and this might be a little difficult to explain, but there, there's certain areas where there are just unnecessary obstacles that you have to deal with. Um, they're most obvious on the pool deck. Uh, there are dead ends in the adult pool deck area, and we'll get to that, uh, at the, the Slidosaurus Rex and on deck four and five, the, you know, the promenade track, um, there are doors that are marked for crew only that feel like they should definitely be accessible to passengers to kind of improve the flow. Um, and the lounge, some of the lounge and bar areas that are just kind of open space, they, you know, they, they tend to fill out into the walking paths when they're full. So, you know, some flow issues for sure. And speaking of lounge overflow, there are two kind of glaring things that I think were, <laughs> for major fails in terms of overall ship design. I was going to save these for later, but but since I, I talked about the lounge and the bar areas at capacity, I guess it, it makes sense to just talk about them now. As you've probably heard, a common theme throughout the ship is that all of the spaces feel small and cramped. And unfortunately, I, I can't disagree. The, the, the most noticeable place is in the, the main dining rooms. The tables are stacked so closely together that even if you're you're not dining with another family it still kind of feels like you are because <laughs> your tables are arranged so closely together you're literally close enough to hear their conversations and you know this also makes it hard for the servers to get in between the tables we saw several lounge and bars areas reach their capacity during peak times and and, and that was on a, a cruise that was sailing at less than half of the overall ship capacity um, the two movie theaters are very small. I think they seat like 90 people each. So, you know, if there's a popular movie, you, you, you probably want to get there early to get your seat. Um, I'm not sure what it is that caused this, whether it's just, you know, the overall number of spaces that they included, or if they, you know, if they had to shrink things to make room for other things like a, a larger grand hall, I don't know, but I, th this is one thing that I really hope that they fix on the next ship. And speaking of fixing things on the next ship, the biggest fail on the Disney Wish is the adult pool area. I am not sure what they were thinking here. It is tiny. It has terrible accessibility and just and just makes no sense. I I 
going into it when you know when we were first learning about it, I loved the idea of the infinity pool, you know, looking over the back of the ship. But it it just didn't turn out like I had hoped it would. There's this there's a small infinity pool. It probably comfortably accommodates like 10 to 15 adults and then it's bookended by these these two pool like seating seating areas almost like the the satellite fall seating without a, a waterfall except more like a tub um that's probably a horrible description but i i i never saw anyone sitting in them um so they weren't used and on top of that to access this area you have to walk by this gigantic like eyesore of a white wall which is just the exterior of the the hero zone um and they have some chairs set up along there and very a very randomly located hot tub which i think is actually the only public hot tub on the whole ship and then around the other side is the entrance to the cove cafe which is not convenient and you know you you can't you can't walk all the way around there's a dead end on the other side where you have to double back to return to the pool deck it's it's really awful and I, I I hate being overly negative about anything but I just feel like this area was was a was a big mistake it, it almost feels like it was an afterthought like they had the ship finished and then someone said oh we forgot an adult pool area where can we squeeze it in like that's that's exactly what it feels like and so that's to me was is the worst part about this ship design um, and you know hopefully that's hopefully that's as negative as I'm gonna get uh, in this episode. Um, so anyway, that, uh, that wasn't fun for me to, (laughs) to, to, uh, to talk about it like that, but I feel like I owe you my honest assessment and opinions. So hopefully you're all okay with that. Um, there's one more general topic that I want to discuss before I get into the individual ratings and that's the detail in the design and the decor. This was an absolute slam dunk. There is amazing detail everywhere you look some subtle and some more obvious there are paintings and murals all throughout the ship there are designs in the carpets and on the walls and in the ceilings and everywhere you look there's something to see it's 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 incredible it's all very tasteful and classy and feels feels very upscale and one of the things that I really loved is um, they have these display cases in the Grand Hall. And on one side, they have a bunch of artifacts from the shipyard and um, like various small scale models of, of statues and displays from around the ship. And then on the other side, they have a display that highlights the interior design of the ship. So they have carpet samples and paint swatches and artist sketches and models of the different wish extenders. I think that's what they're calling them now. Um, the, you know, the, the things that hang outside the, the stateroom doors. It's like a, a, it's like a mini museum right there in the grand hall. So definitely take some time to, to look at those displays, you know, sometime during your cruise. Cause it's a, it's a really cool feature. And I, I like, I like that a lot. So that wraps up my initial kind of high level thoughts. And so now I'm going to go through several broad based categories and and give them a letter grade and I'll I'll add a little color to each as well. Um, And let me also say if you cruise on the wish and you disagree with any of my letter grades or, you know, with anything that I've said in this episode, please let me know. Um, As I mentioned before, these are just based on my experiences and perspectives. So if you, if you have different ones, I I would definitely uh, love to hear about those. So let's start with the staterooms and I'm going to give the staterooms an A minus. 
I love the redesigned staterooms on the Wish, um, and I had the opportunity to tour pretty much every type of stateroom. I love the new color palettes. It feels so clean and inviting. Um, I love how they have different themes on different areas of the ship. I love the murals on the walls and, and the magical you know sky feature above the pull-down bunk. There's so much storage space, and you know they make such smart use of every piece of furniture that's in the room. And um, I I pointed this out in one of my Instagram stories, but they also made several common sense improvements from the other ships in the fleet. Um, first of all, one that seems like a no-brainer, they had pump hand soap in the bathrooms. So, you know, that's something we always used to bring with us, but they have it in the bathrooms now, and I'm sure they do across the fleet. Um, but just something I noticed on the Wish. A nightlight in the toilet room, and, you know, if... If you know, you know on that one, right? Uh, no more blinding yourself in the middle of the night. Uh, the light switches are located inside the bathrooms. So that just seems like, uh, you know, a no-brainer where they should be. They have hooks inside the showers to hang wet stuff. They have USB charging ports in several places throughout the room. So lots of lots of great, uh, you know, feature upgrades uh, in the staterooms. I only have two complaints, and they're very minor. The first is I don't like the the TVs are sort of fixed to the wall. They don't swivel at all. So it'll be hard for, you know, my kids to watch a movie from their beds like we like we enjoy doing on our cruises. Um, And the other thing is I'm just I'm going to miss the the porthole stateroom door numbers. You know, it's it's a different design on the stateroom doors now. So but that's extremely minor. Everything else I loved. And oh, and don't even get me started on those two story royal suites. Those are just incredible um so that's staterooms the next topic i'm gonna go with dining which includes the main dining restaurants it includes marceline market and the quick service locations i'm not rating paulo or enchante because i didn't experience those so um you know maybe next time um but for dining i'm going to go with a b plus Overall, I thought the food was excellent. If I could do a sub rating, I would probably give the food quality an A minus. But since I don't want to do that for every category, we'll just pretend I didn't go there. Um, (laughs) I enjoyed every meal that I had with the exception of one or two appetizers. Um, And even the the food quality at Marceline Market and in the the quick service locations on deck was all excellent. I have nothing but great things to say about the food. That's not what brought my rating down. The entertainment was also very good. The performances, uh, excuse me, the performers in Arendelle are spectacular, and the show in Worlds of Marvel is is a lot of fun. It's engaging. Both definitely worth experiencing. The thing that brought my rating down is is more about the venues themselves than anything else. I I mentioned it before, but I I truly believe the cramped dining rooms have. A little bit of a negative impact on the overall dining experience when you're, you know, when you're seated so close to other parties, you can't help but overhear parts of their conversations. And with the wait staff having to kind of maneuver in between tables and chairs, it 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 makes it almost a little bit stressful. And when I look back on our dining experiences, there's just something that that feels a bit off, and and I think that's what it comes down to. I mean. The themes are great. The food was great. The dining room details are great. But there was just something missing in the main dining restaurants. And I, and I, I think that's what it was. And I also didn't love the location of the, the Mickey and Friends Festival of Foods. It's kind of, you know, 
uh, toward the front of the ship uh, on the pool deck. But I mean, that's that's something really minor and may grow on me with you know with more cruises. The next topic, uh, I'm going to go with stage productions. So that includes Seize the Adventure, The Little Mermaid, and The Pirate's Rockin' Parlay Party. Um, that I didn't mean to do it in that accent. It just kind of came out, so it was probably terrible. Uh, but that the, that rating does not include Set Sail on a Wish, which is the sailway party, because for us, that was canceled um, due to weather. So, you know, obviously, we didn't experience it, so I, I can't give, a, get a, give an opinion on it. And it also does not include Aladdin, a musical spectacular, because that show is still in rehearsals and, from what I've heard, may not be ready until later uh, later this fall. But for stage productions, I'm going to go with a B plus uh, on this one as well. Seize the Adventure was fun and sort of what you would expect from a show like that. Very short, though. I mean, it's a it's a quick show. And in my opinion, it lacks kind of a, a strong central theme. <laughs> Alyssa disagrees with me on that, but I, I still think I'm right. And to me, it, it felt more like one of those shows that they do on Embarkation Day or on the last night on the other ships. Is it like See You Real Soon, maybe? Something like that. Do they even do those anymore? I'm actually not sure. But, you know, it felt like one of those shows more so than a show like Disney Dreams or Disney's Believe. Um, so it was great. It was just, you know, it's short and um, lacked that just that theme to me anyway. Um, we were also fortunate to see the entire production of The Little Mermaid. And I, I I think they did a, a great job with that. I loved the way they used the projection mapping and and some other techniques on stage throughout the show to you know to move the scene on stage above and below the water level. I I just thought that was really cool um, and really well done how they did that. The under the sea scene is also one of the best scenes of any shows across the fleet, as you know as you might expect. It, it, it that was awesome. I also wanted to talk about the new Pirate Night show on deck, which I've said it before, but it was excellent. I actually now recommend attending the show and staying through the fireworks, whereas before I would say skip the show and and be sure you're there for the fireworks. And speaking of fireworks, those got a major upgrade. Do not miss the fireworks. It, they are really well done on the Disney Wish. There's multiple launch points that just it feels like you know it's it's a it's a bigger production. So really well done on the fireworks. Overall, I thought the shows were great, but we you know we sort of missed not having that 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 third third show in the lineup. The next topic is bars and lounges. So I'm actually going to throw you a bit of a curveball here, and I'm not going to grade this one. And the reason is because I, I didn't feel like I I didn't experience enough of them to sort of rate them broadly, um, you know, especially not in a way that, you know, that puts me in a position to accurately sort of, I don't know, give, a, give an assessment. I, I did spend some time in Keg and Compass, which I, I really liked. Um, this one is much more like a bar than it is a lounge, which is, you know, definitely more my style. And, and, um, it has a really convenient location on deck five midship, you know, you may be able to find them elsewhere, but the keg and compass also has three beers on tap that were made specifically for the Disney wish. So be sure to ask about those. And you can, you know, you can purchase that 20 ounce souvenir mug and get it filled throughout the ship, you know, for the price of a 16 ounce 
and they'll even put a, a wish logo in the froth uh if you ask them to so uh, i thought that was kind of cool we also got to experience the hyperspace lounge which was cool but probably not one that we'll visit again and and that's not because we didn't like it we're just we're just not huge star wars fans <clears throat> excuse me if you are a big star wars fan you'll you'll probably enjoy it and appreciate the experience but aside from you know the immersive theming and the cool viewport out into space the i don't know the experience was was lost a little bit on us luna was the only other lounge that we really visited we attended a match your mate show which was fun i think the space has a lot of potential especially for the the family style events that you know that they have planned but once again i, I just it it feels a little bit too small the um the, the you know the night that we had it was definitely at capacity and and again it was you know a, a lower capacity cruise so uh just a lot to a lot to be fixed there. So so I'll put a pin in my grade for the bars and the lounges, and and, uh, and I'll get back to you after my next cruise. Oh, and I should also mention that as adults only spaces go, these bars and lounges are, are really all that you have on the ship. The the Wish doesn't have a nightclub type venue like the Tube on the Fantasy or Evolution on the Dream, uh, or even Fathoms or Azure on, on the Magic and the Wonder. So I, I just thought uh, that was something interesting. Next up, retail slash merchandise. I am very saddened by this, and I'm actually I'm gonna go with a C on this, and, and that might be generous. As you all know, shopping for Disney Cruise merchandise on board is one of my favorite things to do. Alyssa and I were really looking forward to this part. We, we you know, we were excited for all the new Wish merchandise. We love arise, arriving early for the evening stage productions in the Walt Disney Theater um, on the other ships and, you know, browsing the merchandise shops prior to going in. But on the Wish, they elected to dedicate this massive amount of space outside the Walt Disney Theater on both the port side and the starboard side to, you know, to these high-end luxury retail merchandise shops. You know, watches, jewelry, designer bags, clothing. It just, it feels like a major waste of space. And, and I'm sure there's a market for that type of shopping on board. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. But, you know, at what cost? I'm I'm certain there could be better use for the amount of space that, you know, that those storefronts take up. And on top of that, Mickey's main sale, where all the fun Disney Cruise merchandise is located, gets this, in my opinion, way too small spot outside of the entrance to Arendelle on deck five. Um, you know, on the, on the first night of the cruise, the shop was packed uh, more, more so than I'd ever seen in any, uh, any merchandise shop on board. You know, there was very little room to move around. And again, this was a, a low capacity cruise. So I, the, the, the luxury retail shops just seem excessive to me. And I, and I much prefer the retail locations and offerings on the other ships. All right, the next topic, uh, I'm going to go with the pool deck, and I'm going to go with a B-plus on this, and I'm going to just go ahead and not include the adult area of the pool deck as part of this. As many of you know, I have been lobbying for a long time to have larger pools on board, and with you know with the Disney Wish, it, it, it kind of felt like they went in the opposite direction. So instead of one or two larger pools, there are six small pools located between the two funnels. Four of them are on deck 11, and then two of them are up this flight of steps on deck 12. And I have to admit, I was actually pleasantly surprised by, by these pools. They're 
larger than I was expecting them. Um, not large overall, but definitely larger than I thought they'd be. And, you know, perfect for just splashing around and watching Final Vision. The Donald and Goofy pools, which are the two that are located on deck 12, were a little over four feet deep. And, you know, the ones on deck 11 were a little more shallow. And then there's one more pool located on deck 12 forward outside of the Toy Story Splash Zone called Trixie Falls. That one is perfect for the, the you know, the really little ones. But as it relates to pools, I was, I was talking with someone on board. I don't I don't remember who it was. And they said something like maybe maybe Disney knows that large pools on cruise ships just wouldn't get the use that would justify the space that they'd take up. And while I conceptually, you know, figured I had always known that I, I, I really thought about it. And at that moment, and, and, and it just, it seemed like a really smart comment to me, you know, at the, at the, at the Disney world resorts, I love taking a day and spending it at the pool with my kids. We, we spend a lot of time in the pool, but I don't think that would ever be the case on a cruise. And there's just too much other stuff to do. So, um, while I've been advocating for for larger pools, I think that's because I've been kind of projecting my experiences at the resorts onto the cruise ships, and, and now I'm now I'm not sure that I that I really want larger pools anymore. So I'm gonna temporarily uh, put a, a pause on my calls for for larger pools until I'm able to to further evaluate. I don't know if my friend Joe from Back to the Mouse is gonna appreciate that, but for now I'm uh, I'm, I'm gonna you know put a pause on that. Uh, also on the pool decks, the new funnel vision screen is amazing. It's very high definition and it, it gives an outstanding picture. <laughs> and for the first time, you can actually touch it. Um, there's a, a walkway right in front of it and you can reach up and touch it. And I, <laughs> I'm not sure why you would necessarily want to do that, but, uh, my friend Ed, you know, the photographer on board pointed it out to me. So we went together and we, <laughs> we touched the, the, uh, the funnel vision screen. And let me tell you, it was super fun <laughs> and uh we also got to ride the aquamouse and hurts me a little bit to admit i was actually a little disappointed and not because i didn't like it i did like it it's great um i just i had higher expectations for it and it didn't really live up to those expectations i i thought the video would be much more immersive like you know i was picturing something like mickey and minnie's runaway railway where it's sort of all around you um and it's also kind of hard to hear the story a little bit. So um, I probably would say that I like the the Aqueduct better, um, but still worth doing. Absolutely, it's it's a great ride. It's cool that they have it on uh, you know on a cruise ship, but just just wasn't what I was expecting. Overall, I liked the pool deck a lot, but I you know it felt a little incomplete because of the lack of a, a nice space for adults, and you know it really made me miss Satellite Falls. Next up is the kids clubs or youth clubs, I guess uh, I'll call them. And as you might expect, I did not actually experience the kids club, so I can only go by what I saw. But I'm I'm gonna go with an A minus here, and I'll just disclaim I reserve the right though to to come back later after my kids have visited the clubs to sort of adjust my grade. But with that being said, the I mean the youth clubs for all ages are are impressive. The the Oceaneers Club, which is the one for kids ages. Um, three to 12. It's huge. It basically takes up all of deck two and you can literally slide into it from the grand hall, which, you know, I got to experience that. That was fun. 
Um, and as is the case on the other ships, there are, you know, there's different rooms with different themes and, you know, each room is very immersive, has lots of different activities. We also toured the edge and vibe for the older kids. And, you know, I could just picture 12 to 16 year old me really enjoying hanging out in there. The features in there though, are just a lot different, you know, than they were back when I was in the clubs. I was, I was laughing about it. Cause it's, it's just funny to me how things that we like to do back then are, are so different than what kids need now to, to keep them entertained. Um, and so, you know, th- those spaces are great for, you know, for the older, older teenagers. And it's also cool that there's, you know, there's, there's now a, a de- dedicated space, the hideaway for 18 to 20 year olds who, you know, have aged out of the kids clubs. There's never been something for sort of that age demographic before. So I just, I like that they included that. I'm also going to lump in the heroes on into this section. And while I think there has to be a better use for this amount of space, um, for like a, you know, an indoor attraction or something like that. The space that they created is pretty cool. And I, I, you know, I could see my kids spending some time in there as they get older between the indoor basketball court, the ping pong and air hockey tables, the Incredi games. I, I think there's definitely an audience for it. I'm just not sure how large that audience is and, and whether they could do something more innovative with the amount of space that it takes up. And finally, I am going to grade the overall theme. Um, This may surprise you or maybe not because you've probably heard a little bit about this, but I'm going to give this a C+. Um, I didn't feel like there was a very cohesive kind of well-defined theme throughout the ship. Instead, there are, you know, a lot of different themes that maybe don't work that well together. Obviously, the ship celebrates the different princesses, and you can see that in the Grand Hall and throughout the hospitality areas. They do this very well. But then things like, you know, the Star Wars Hyperspace Lounge and Worlds of Marvel seem, you know, a little bit out of place. It kind of feels like they patch together their arguably most popular current IPs, you know, Marvel and Star Wars, and then combine them with princess fairy tales and the Mickey Mouse shorts. Um, and, and, and while I, I love how each deck is dedicated to, you know, a different princess and has different color schemes, the different color carpets just sort of highlight how inconsistent the theme is. You know, the, it's, it's not like on the other ships, um, where regardless of which deck you're on, whether you're forward or aft, it, it all feels like the same ship because, you know, there's this cohesive, theme and and everything is you know is more or less the same and they're you know there's not a bunch of just different ips blended together and and i'm not necessarily advocating for this i I don't i'm not saying that it all needs to be the same i just feel like the wish is kind of missing something that that ties it all together um and you know as i talk about this i'm i'm realizing kind of how hard this is to explain so maybe you have to experience it for yourself to understand exactly what i'm talking about but for you know for a company that has perfected theming in its parks and its you know attractions private islands and even on its other cruise ships i i feel like i feel like i just feel like they missed the mark here a little bit i mean the ship is beautiful don't get me wrong but it just it just it lacks that that central theme uh in my opinion so that's it for my grades. Uh, but I was asked once while I was on board and, and, you know, several times since I got back, if the wish is my new favorite ship. And I wasn't ready to answer that question while I was on board and I've given it a lot of thought since. So I wanted to weigh in on that a little bit. I wouldn't say that it's my new favorite ship. Um, for now I am going to put it third. I'm going to put it behind the magic and the dream. 
<laughs> I don't um I don't deal with change very well. You could, you can ask my family. Um, so, so I, I almost always default to, uh, you know, the nostalgic feelings that I get when I'm, when I'm on these other ships, I feel like I, I need to cruise more again on all the ships in order to kind of finalize that assessment. But that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. The wish is an amazing ship and I, and I can't wait to bring my whole family on board. Once my kids are able to experience it and we can start making those, you know, those family memories on the wish who knows what'll happen and who knows, you know, where I'll, where I'll rank the wish, but I'm going to put it third for now. Um, Oh, and before I wrap up, I'm sorry to throw these things in here at the end. I literally just thought uh, about these as I was as I was wrapping up, but I, I do want to mention them. Um, the Wi-Fi on board was incredible. We got to test out the premium surf internet package, and I never had any issues with connectivity or speed. I was able to check my emails, post on social media, images and photos, and you know, and was even even able to go live on Instagram and, and FaceTime with my kids. It was a major upgrade from the, you know, the pay per megabyte model on the other ships. And I know the fantasy is rolling this out now or maybe just rolled it out and, you know, hopefully it makes it to the other ships relatively quickly, quickly because it was it was definitely a game changer if you're, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in need of data usage while you're on board. And secondly, <laughs> this was our... I think, I'm pretty sure it was our first cruise without a paper navigator, and I have to say that it was sorely missed. The app just isn't as helpful, you know, in in my opinion. We used it way less, and I I felt like we missed out on certain things that we might not have other, you know, might not have otherwise missed out on because we we didn't even think to check the app for upcoming events. In the past, when we've had the paper navigators, we've just you know, each night we would literally take out the next day's navigator and highlight the things that we were interested in. And then I would just carry that around with me. Um, and you know, and check in on it throughout the day. Uh, you know, it's the, I just don't like the app as much. It's, it's going to take some getting used to, but it got me thinking, why can't they just give us a PDF version of the navigator grid view? So basically take the navigator, but put it into the app. So you have it, you know, all in one place. I feel like that would be so much more helpful than the current setup of the app. Um, it just, it's helpful to see it kind of all laid out that way. It just, it seems like that, that shouldn't be too hard to do. So if anyone's at Disney Cruise Line is listening to this, uh, there's a suggestion for you. So there you have it, my full review of the brand new Disney Wish. We had an amazing time on board and I I can't wait to go back. I think having a a normal cruise experience might also change my perspective a little bit, so I'm excited to see what happens there. I hope you enjoyed my review and I, I hope it was helpful. If you've cruised on the Wish, uh, I, I really want to know if you agree with my grades. And, and like I said at the beginning, I, I'd love to hear from you about your experiences on the Wish. So uh, please drop me a note. As always, thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, you can connect with the show by following along on Twitter at the DCL Dude or by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash DCL Dude Podcast. Please feel free to ask a question, leave a comment, drop a note, or share the podcast with your followers. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Of course, if there's anything I can do to improve your listening experience, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening. <music>